33rd edition of the Minor League Baseball Show Before the Show podcast hits the, uh, I don't know, internet airwaves. Hi, everybody. I'm Tyler Mon. He's Sam Dykstra in New York City. Hello, Sam. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good, you, man. Yeah, you haven't said where you are. No, I haven't. Where, where, where are you, Tyler? Coming tell, to you live the from the listening. Howard Plaza Hotel in Taipei City, Taiwan at the Premier 12 Tournament, the World Baseball Softball Confederation Premier 12 Tournament. Uh, that's where I am. This is a We've gone such long distances. We went uh, progressively further and further away. I've done shows, a bunch of shows now in the office. Yep. Then once did a show uh, from North Carolina. Then a bunch of shows from my home in Denver. Then got a little bit farther away last week from the Arizona Fall League. And then, uh, yeah, now just I'm like I just bolted. I'm just... <laughs> well well over an ocean well i'm happy to say that i too am on the road for this podcast and that i am not in the office and i am in brooklyn i am in my own living oh, nice. room which i know yeah which is a very weird experience for me because i can see my bed from where i am sitting and why i'm not doing that there is a different question but uh yeah so we're all in different places today maybe it'll be a spice things up a little bit yeah we'll we'll have some fun with it this is the i i'm so i'm in this hotel room the in Taiwan, they use the same outlets as we do in the States, which is great. But for whatever oh, reason, good. my hotel room only has like two of them that are not in the bathroom. So I had <laughs> a strategically set up. So I've got the the computer that I record on that's plugged in with a plug like stretched all the way across the room to one of them. And then I don't do the Internet on that computer because I it sometimes it makes the recording blip, whatever technical thing. So I've got another laptop, um, which I just have open and I'm hoping won't die because there's no other plug for it. So that's okay. the the struggle is real. Struggle is real here. Uh, <laughs> but it's 10 in the morning here. What time is it there? It's Friday here. It is. Yeah, it's 9 p.m. here on Thursday. So I'm in the future. Everybody listening. Tyler is coming us to coming to us from the future i've got the lottery numbers for you yeah so you you knew about like the simmons trade that we'll get into beforehand which yeah i, I did you would have told me about but uh yeah that's you know they they break all the stories out here first i get them all uh i knew what was going on in anaheim and in, uh, in atlanta the initial reports yesterday said that the braves were deep in trade talks with a national league west teams there was a lot of early speculation to that and then this morning i wake up and it's you know just later in the day for you guys and i got the news alert and uh and the news had broken over there and so yeah we'll dive into that because big prospects moving uh east from the anaheim organization to atlanta and uh we'll talk about that as the show gets rolling along today but uh yeah here's what we got coming up on the show some very good prospects here with united states baseball usa baseball has arrived with a team that includes prospects like jacob may of the chicago white Sox organization jeff barrett of the arizona diamondbacks organization and our good pal brett phillips of the milwaukee Brewers system and brett phillips will finally join the show for his first appearance that's coming up later on in the day today talk to him from tianmu stadium in taiwan yesterday in taipei city as the united states ended up actually mercy ruling japan in eight innings they got a 10 nothing win in that game so the U.S. through their first three games, two and one. So they're more than likely headed on from this opening uh, group stage of play to play in the quarterfinals, which will be coming up next week. But got a chance to talk to Brett Phillips. Funny thing he said to me actually off of uh, off the air before we got started with the interview, he said, 
the season's been so long for him. Like he started in late February and now it's basically, you know, this is nine full months of baseball for him. And he was like, when I watch film of myself from the beginning of the year, it's amazing how much better I was because he just gets so <laughs> tired. <laughs> yeah. It must be like kind of like a loss in translation, uh, you know, thing for him being over there just in a haze, you know, just going through the motions, you know, hopefully he's doing well. You, you know, you're seeing him, um, you know, we were talking before he sounded like he was doing well while he's there, but, uh, I can only imagine what that's like just drawn out playing all the baseball plus the trade that happened to him mid season. So it's been a crazy, crazy 2015 for him. Hopefully he's keeping a diary so he can remember everything that's happened. Yeah, that is the truth. So we will hear from Brett Phillips here coming up in just a little bit. I caught him after he was doing an interview with Japanese television. So it's, uh, he's, <laughs> he is just all over the place. We plastered all over the, uh, the Eastern hemisphere. So we got that coming up on the show today and we have a whole lot more. Like I said, we'll get to the, the trade conversation and uh, but we're going to start. We're going to just throw the formula out the window this week because things are weird. I'm in Taiwan. Uh, the Arizona fall league is getting close to wrapping things up. Championship game comes up a week from tomorrow here a week from Saturday for you, Sam. Uh, so they're getting close to wrapping things up. So we're just going to go weird today. Yeah. Let's, I like that philosophy that we've just decided today's going to be weird. And I'm sorry if anybody has a routine that they listen to this podcast and they're used to thir- drinking your morning strikes. coffee with three strikes. Yeah, you're, you're on the subway, you're going for a run, you're doing something, you're sitting at your desk and you're just ready for three strikes and not today. Nope. Absolutely not. Benjamin Hill will not join us. Ben's on vacation. Good. Yeah. We're very happy for Ben. Uh, right. So we're gonna we're going to eschew the three strikes segment of this week's show. We're just gonna dive right in and talk some prospect development in terms of the way that we would do it if we were in control of this. The Arizona Fall League, about eight, nine days, give or take where you are in the globe, from wrapping up for the 2015 season and just talent galore in that league. And we did this a while back, uh, talked about a a fantasy draft for top prospects from the year of the prospect this year. We're going to take sort of a similar approach, and we're going to focus it on the AFL. And we are going to discuss the guys who we would most want who have either been on an AFL roster or are currently on an AFL roster. And uh, we're going to build a roster from that. Basically. Do I basically have it right? Right, yeah, no, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make our own AFL rosters. Um, you know, it's going to be based on guys who have at least played in the the league right now. A lot of guys come in, come out, you know, whether through injury or just teams deciding that, you know, they're good for the fall. So if any, if there's a guy who has at least played a game, pitched an inning, seen one at bat, whatever, in the AFL this year, he's eligible for this draft What we're gonna that we're going to do now. And we're just going to go back and forth with picks and we'll snake it. So it's at least somewhat even um, I have a nickel in my hand right now that I'll flip uh, to decide. I know a we're nickel. Doing that's this. a good, it's uh, a good coin choice. Nobody goes it's with a nickel like a for grab. the flip. And I did laundry the other day, so I'm fresh <laughs> out of quarters. So nickel is a good choice. We'll go with the nickel. Okay. Um, like so Tyler, I'll, I'll let you call it. I'm going to be as honest as I can. And hopefully you trust me and the people at home trust me. But uh, yeah, call, what do you think it's going to be? I am going to go. Uh, I'm going to go heads. Heads. All right. And I'm flipping. I've caught. And tails. Okay. So I will. T- I will, will have the first pick. Tyler will have the second and third pick, and we'll go from there. Sound good? I like it. All right. So my first pick of this imaginary Arizona Fall League draft is I've got my board ahead of me. I'm kind of I'm conferring with my. <laughs> You're in the GM. war room. Yeah. I'm going to – I know he didn't play much this this uh, AFL season, and I know he didn't particularly do well in this AFL season, 
but I really like to shore up one spot, and I think that's got a very high drop off. I really like this guy's defense. I'm going to take J.P. Crawford, okay, of Philadelphia Phillies. He's going to be my shortstop. He's going to provide a, a good piece at the top of the lineup. A guy who can get on. He's got some some legs to him. Like I said, he's he might be the best defensive guy who played in the AFL this year. Um, certainly, you know, a top prospect. He ranks right now as number five. And MLB.com's list. That's not the only reason why I took him. I think we like him for the same reasons. So first overall pick, J.P. Crawford. Now, I like it. Yeah, you for two and three. Um, you know, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go a little bit outside the box with uh, the second overall pick, just because of this week's news. I don't think it's outside the box in terms of talent or potential or what anybody else would would see. But obviously, we got some news this week. Alex Reyes was suspended for 50 games uh, for a drug of abuse. But uh, I'm gonna make Alex Reyes my pick because the guy came out initially immediately um, expressed his regret. Obviously, the the circumstances surrounding that we don't know the full story, but. Everybody that I've ever talked to can't do anything but rave about Alex Reyes, character-wise, work ethic-wise, mentality-wise. And Alex Reyes has all of the stuff that you want in an ace of the future. So going, uh, you know, with a, a pitcher early, maybe a bit of a risk. It's kind of, it's kind of risky. Sometimes you like to shore up those middle positions, uh, up the middle and on a, a fantasy roster such as these, but I'm going to go with Alex Reyes because nobody is quite as electric as that guy. Yeah. And I'll just kind of interrupt you before you make your next one, just so everybody understands the way we're, we're doing this, we're picking one person at each position, a DH and one starting pitcher. So Alex Reyes is a good pick. I'll certainly give you that Okay, because we're only using one pitcher. We're not doing this fall stars game style where we're going to pick like 10 pitchers and they're all going to get an inning. Alex Reyes is as sure he was my first pitcher off the board. So I'm kind of upset that yeah, they took him that early, but that's, that's the, the way this game is going to be played. Just trying to sabotage your picks. Yeah, no, I understand. That's my whole point. Number two, right, so, number three, yes. number so two for me, the third pick. Yeah. number three overall. Uh, there have been a whole lot of guys who have had really good spurts in the Arizona Fall League, um, but one of the guys who's been pretty consistently good across the board is friend of the podcast, Reese McGuire of the Glendale Desert Dogs. I need a battery mate to pair with uh, Alex Reyes. I really like Reese McGuire a lot. Um, he's one of the guys who I think when you – Look at the the way that the Pirates have developed prospects. He fits so well into that mold. He's a high character guy. High character guy. He's a really intelligent guy. He's played young for his levels. He was a class A advanced Bradenton this year, just twenty years old. I really really like Reese McGuire. He's checked in right now. I believe sixth in the league uh, in batting average. No, fifth in the league in batting average for Reese McGuire. A three sixty eight clip through his first eleven games. So I'm gonna go. I got my battery out of the way first. Yeah, no, I, I like that too, especially with McGuire, considering if you're going to have Reyes, if you're going to spend that early pick on him. Um, I get, I, I'm kind of feeling like Jay Billis right now, I'm going to be honest. But if you're going to spend that early pick on, on a guy like Alex Reyes, uh, you know, you want to shore up, make sure he has a good battery mate. And as we talked to Reese McGuire on our po- previous podcast, you know, framing is such a big thing for him. And, you know, the uh, being such a good catcher is his, I think, first priority. So. I like what you have kind of starting off there. The first two guys to touch the ball. Um, I guess I have fourth pick here. Just kind of looking at my board. I think I'm going to kind of go with a guy who's not a prospect anymore. He's graduated, um, but is exciting for me. Would certainly make a really good pairing um, in terms of up the middle play. Um, I'm going to go with Jerickson Profar as my second baseman. I like that pick. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, we talk a lot about prospects, and Profar used to be the first overall guy, had a 
rash of injuries the past couple of years just has not been able to stay on the field. But if we're going to make a team, you know, for the fall league, he's showing his health. Uh, you know, his name keeps coming up in trade rumors for teams looking for shortstops or middle infield help. So I think that pairing of Crawford and Profar, it's, you're going to be, it's going to be tough for your team, no matter who you pick next to hit it up the middle anyway. So yeah, that uh, is I, very I, true. I like what I'm, I've got so far. You're already just holding all my guys back. My, my <laughs> slap hitters, ripping everything up the middle. Actually, I don't even have any any hitters on this roster yet, except for Reese McGuire, who's not a slap guy. Um, I like that pick, though. I got to talk to Jerks and Profar after the conclusion of the Fall Stars game last week, and he the thing that he said that stuck out to me most was I asked him, you know, how good does it feel just to be out here and be feeling healthy, be feeling good, be feeling confident? And he was like, it just feels like it's been too long. I just want to be out here. And the fact that he is, and he is healthy, and he looked so smooth, he looked so fluid, it looked like everything was coming back easily to him. Him. That's an exciting thing. If you're somebody who loves the prospect game, the prospect world, to have Jerks and Profar back and feeling healthy is very exciting, regardless of who your team is. Yeah, and I should kind of add that he's only played, I think, DH so far. But you know, I'll, in this fantasy roster of mine, I'm going to give him the first rollout at uh, second base. So we'll see how that goes. All right, that could backfire on me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try it for now. I like it. I am. Uh, I'm going to stick in the middle infield as well and go with Christian Arroyo, uh, who has had a very very good start to this AFL season. He's the number two prospect in the San Francisco Giants organization. And again, another young guy. He's only 20 years old, but through his first 16 games, an OPS of 891, he started 15 of those at shortstop. Needs some work with the glove, uh, but is a a very, very solid middle infielder. He can do everything defensively, makes all the the routine plays, and we know that he can hit. This season with uh, Class A Advanced San Jose, 304 average and 803 OPS in 90 games. So I'm going to grab my shortstop with the third pick. All right, that'll work. Um, yeah, no, Arroyo's a really good guy. He was certainly on my list. I had him there with Jacchini and Jacoby Jones for shortstops. So, uh, but now that I already have mine, that's it's certainly fine by me. Uh, I'll kind of go with something we haven't touched yet. And friend of the pod, you know, I, I need. I've got a couple of good bats the way it is, but I really need a thumper. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take AJ Reed as my first baseman. Um, you know, we we talked to him before. He was our offensive player of the year. Guy led all full season minor leaguers in OPS, home runs, RBIs, total bases, yada, yada, yada. I mean, there's just so much we've, we've written about him this year. Um, I've got a piece coming out this week on Toolshed um, about the ISO stat, which is slugging percentage minus batting average. And he was second among top prospects behind only Joey Gallo in terms of ISO, um, which shouldn't be surprising. But then when you look at him, MLB.com gives him a 60 grade for his uh, power. And through the metric I kind of used, if you, you get a chance to check it out, it'll be out Friday. Um, he even overperformed what, what should be a 60 grade and was performing more like a 75 grade power slugger. So I think A.J. Reed um, didn't have the best fall league, obviously. The uh, hit 231, had a 711 um, OPS. A little bit of that is, you know, getting to play again after a very long season for him at high A and double A. But uh, yeah, he'll, he'd certainly provide that thump and we'll, we'll make our rosters or lineups later. Um, after the break, but uh, it'll be it'll certainly be a solid three or four hitter for me. 
I like uh, AJ Reed is one of those guys who, when he comes to the plate, everybody starts to take notice. Everybody wants to see what he can do. Um, and it, you set that reputation for yourself over your first couple of professional seasons. He wins every minor league offensive player of the year accolade across the board this year. Yeah, not not a bad one to have. Um, I am gonna I'll I'll stick in the same sort of power vein, and I'm gonna take Adam Brett Walker the second. Uh, ah. Adam okay. Brett Walker two AB Dub two is a he is a hulking guy. I talked to him after a game in Scottsdale last week, and you see the athleticism instantaneously when you watch him hit. When you watch him in the field, he's only started five games in the outfield so far this AFL season, but he has the makeup of what you want a power bat in the outfield to be. And he's been able to hit with a, a pretty consistent average as well. He's hitting 300 during the AFL season. We know how hot he started this year. He was the minor league home run leader well into the summer and then tailed off a little bit toward the end. But as one of the things I asked him, you started off so hot, kind of cooled, but now to be finishing well, how good does that feel for you? And he said, you know, I'm just trying to, to get out here and make sure that I finish on a good note because when you extend a season out that long, that's the, that's the aim of the AFL. You want to go out and make sure that you're able to put together a solid showing there because you're going against some of the best talent in all of minor league baseball and you're doing it at your most exhausted point of the year. But I really, really like Adam Brett Walker, the second. Uh, he's always good for us to talk to, and he's just a dynamic guy. He's a really, really interesting bat. So I'm going to take him and, and try to match your power. I don't know if anybody matches A.J. Reed's power, but I'm going to try to match it that way. No, if you're going to try to do that, if we're going power for power, that's certainly the way to go. Um, I, I had him down as my DH, actually. So uh, um, I'm going to have to find somebody later. I'll go later with my DH pick. Good. But uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, that, my that, whole point stole, is just to I'll steal you, all of your guys. Right. Yeah. No, the, I'll give you <laughs> certainly points for taking ABW from me. Uh, while we're on the topic of him, just a quick story on him. I, I got in touch with him for a notebook we I did a couple of weeks ago. And um, I had his number, so I gave him a call after missing a couple of his calls. And I think I freaked him out because he just answered the phone like I was some insurance salesman. He's like, hello. And then he was the nicest person ever. So <laughs> it, and, uh, my interactions with him, and I'm, it sounds like with yours too, just make up off yeah. the charts. Really nice guy. Really Absolutely. Like, good teammate. Nice to get along with. All that kind of stuff. Um, you know, if, if we're going power for power, I know you already have your catcher. Um, I'm going to go with a guy who's kind of the, the story of the AFL season, at least for me so far, at my catcher. I'm going to take Gary Sanchez. Okay. Um, it's between him. Once you took McGuire, it was between him and Wilson Contreras, another really good bat, obviously for the Cubs, um, Southern League batting champ. But what Sanchez is showing, you know, all of us right now in the AFL is that he he's ready to hit. He's ready to be a major league hitter. Uh, 299, 329, 649 slash line. Obviously, that 649 stands out all the more. Leads all AFL players in home runs with seven. Um, you know, he's played 18 games. He's he's playing mostly behind the plate. We saw the Yankees make a move this week, tra trading John Ryan Murphy to the Twins for Aaron Hicks. A lot of people, I'll include myself in that, is believe they did that with the idea that Sanchez is ready to take over at least a backup role um, earlier in the in the summer this year in the Bronx than uh, previously thought. So clear hurdle for him. They think he's ready. I would say he's ready. I, I think he, him and Reed, either the three, four, four, five, whatever I, I decide to do later. Um, I'm excited to have them. And I think Sanchez, you know, he's got some defensive work to work on. He's certainly got the arm. Everybody talks about that when it comes to his defense. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to have his bat in the lineup. Yeah, that's a good pick, too. 
Um, I see now. I just want to match. I want to go the same power for power, thing, <laughs> but I'm gonna. I'll deviate a little bit. Uh, a guy who certainly has a little bit of pop, but uh, Heimer Candelario of the Chicago Cubs organization. I'm gonna take him as my third baseman. He's been wrecking the ball in the AFL. I actually caught him in a game at Mesa when he did not look good defensively. Made three errors. There is only three errors of the season, uh, but he made them all in one game. That was back on November 3rd against Peoria. It was actually at Peoria, not at Mesa. Um, and did not look good at third base. But every other time I saw him, looked very comfortable over at third base. Batting 349, an OPS of 1065. He has been just mashing the ball. Five home runs through 16 games so far this season. Uh, and he's really a bargain guy. He was only signed by the Cubs for $500,000 out of the Dominican Republic in 2010, uh, but was very, very young at every level until really last season he struggled at full season class a but figured out a way to get back into a groove and helped Kane County win the class a Midwest League championship and since then has really taken off this year spent the majority of his season at class a advanced Myrtle Beach moved on to the Southern League in the Tennessee Smokies acquitted himself very very well there 46 games he's just 21 years old but he OPS 841 so I like Candelario is a, a pretty good uh, offensive profile for third base and it seems like he does the things that you need need to do to get done at third base I don't think a a spectacular I mean he's not gonna be Mike Schmidt but he does everything adequately at third base so he's my my other corner guy yeah I'll give you that just because when I was trying to formulate this these lists um you know trying to find third baseman there are a couple guys obviously I'll pick one of them later so I won't tip my hand on that but I think it's it third base is not a place where the AFL is particularly deep and Candelario is that guy who kind of stands out um, I think other than that three-error game, you're right. He, he's been having a very, very solid autumn. Um, and so I'm going to kind of – well, I guess ABW was picked. So he, we've kind of shied away from the outfield spots. I have three open outfield spots myself. Uh, so I am going to take somebody who was one of my favorite um, tool shed pieces of the year. Let me just – yep, there he is. Okay. I'm going to take Rangers prospect Lewis Brinson. As my like uh, first outfit, outfield guy, uh, Brinson obviously did very, very well this year. Started out the year at high A, uh, high desert, um, tore the cover off the ball there, uh, and then went on to Frisco. And you know the Rangers decided he was doing so well there that they were going to bounce him all the way to Round Rock at the age of 21. He finished the year with a 1.004 OPS. I think he was only one of three full season minor leaguers to do that. Hit 20 home runs, stole 18 bases, finished the year with a 332 average. You know, across all all levels, I think he's he's one of those good mixes of speed and pop. At the same time, the the just hitting ability he showed this year, you know, is something that the Rangers have been looking for him to finally all come together. He's a first rounder in 2012. Um, they gave him a little extra time in the AFL this year, sent him off fairly early. He only got 11 games in, hit 300 while he was there. So. You know, the, the skills certainly translated, um, had six extra base hits, five steals, you know, doing the same sorts of stuff all over again. Um, you know, there's some questions whether he, he can play uh, center or if he's going to be sticking to a corner outfield spot. Um, he certainly has a good arm. He could profile and right. He could be in center. We'll see how the rest of my outfield works out. But I, I like him as a kind of jack of all trades out there, a good offensive guy to have. So, yeah, Lewis Brinson. That's a really good pick. He Brinson 
the Rangers have so many guys who are just so toolsy, but he's toolsy in a way where he is starting to really figure out just how good he can be, I think. And that's when prospects really go from being potential to being scary and, and be close to the major league level as well. Um, there, What you kind of said a minute ago, Sam, about third base maybe not being the deepest spot in the AFL, I think outfield is the inverse of that. You look at all the talent throughout all these systems outfield-wise, and guys are just – I mean, every roster seems like it's loaded with top prospects outfield-wise. Um, I have a list of like 75 of those guys, so instead of doing one of those, I'm going to go with a first baseman. Uh, Rowdy Tellez in the Toronto Blue Jays wow. system. I'm okay. going Rowdy. I'm going Rowdy. Uh, I really, really like Rowdy Tellez. I, uh, his bat – just seems like something that is on the verge of exploding and a, a young guy again and I, I talked to him for a, a story we had up one of our AFL notebooks uh, when I talked to him for uh, the Salt River team he said I'm used to playing up he's one of the youngest guys in the AFL this year and that's what he's done throughout the entirety of his baseball career and this year holding his own in the AFL uh, 281 average four homers 15 runs batted in an 819 OPS in 16 games but Tellez is a very very young guy and just seems like he's there in order to soak everything in. He's 20 years old. He said he loves talking to the guys around him, trying to figure out how they approach pitchers in different counts. He'll talk to pitchers and see how they approach hitters in different counts. One of the best quotes that I got while I was down there, he said, sometimes you'll talk to a guy, then you'll see him later on uh, in a minor league season, and you'll kind of have that in the back of your mind of how he's going to pitch you. And then when you get a hit, it's because he didn't remember that you had that conversation. Uh, but I really <laughs> like Roddy Tellis. He's going to be my other corner infield guy. There you go. No, that that's somebody that that was off my board, but I like it. I like it the idea of you going off. I'm like the, I'm like the Patriots here. I'm just trying to find these gems late rounds. Yeah, exactly. No, that's <laughs> that, I mean that's the point of this is that like if if we knew how this was going to go, this would not be fun for us and we would not be doing this. So, I'll get, I'll give you all due credit on that one. Um let's see. How do I want to go next? I'm going to stick in the outfield. I'm going to short okay. up the outfield. And um between two guys myself I'm not going to tell you two which two, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go with today's guest. I'm going to go with Brett Phillips, just Man. because. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I really, I, I want <laughs> as I value defense. The Sam Dykstra organization that was made up today <laughs> values defense, as we're as we've shown so far. And I think sticking Phillips in center, uh, putting Brinson either either left or right. We'll see what the other guy is going to be. Um, that's just that. That's you know, they, what is the saying that. The world is covered by 60% water or something like that. Brett Phillips covers the other 40%. Yeah. He's going to do really well out there. Um, he, he's shown he's shown a really good bat this year, obviously. Getting moved from the Houston system over to the Brewer system, was hitting above 320 everywhere he went in the Astros system. Saw a little bit of struggles once he made the move to Biloxi, but you know he's still a 21-year-old guy. He's got a rocket of an arm. Uh, he, he shows you know good approach he strikes out a little too much but he's, he's a guy who's going to hit 16 homers 17 steals a, very much like lewis brinson a little bit of lewis brinson light you had the two of them um we were talking beforehand that he's been playing at the bottom of the team usa lineup um he would certainly not do that in the sam dykstra organization i can make that promise to brett phillips we'll figure out how the lineup will shake out those are he's your negotiations gonna, with yeah. brett yeah he's brett, gonna, he's we got a spot be, for you at the top of our lineup yeah. Okay. So that that is my offer to Brett Phillips now that he's a part of the organization and I welcome him aboard.
Okay. Um, then I feel like I got to get a, a center fielder here. And I'm going to go again. This will be not at all surprising for me, but it'll be maybe somebody who's not quite on everybody's board. Uh, but Can I my, say it before you're going to yep, say it? Yep. Yep. Is it Tapia? Yes, it is Tapia. Yeah. You better believe it's Tapia. Synergy, <laughs> Synergy here is just amazing. <laughs> The, the work that we have together, it's just we're like an old married couple at this point, Sam. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Rymel Tapia. Uh, Tapia could be a stretch going forward in his career if he is going to stick in center field or not. He played there primarily this year for Class A Advanced Modesto, but Tapia just continues to hit. Everywhere he goes, he rakes. And the thing that I love about Rymel Tapia is that for so long, everybody uh, there. There are two schools of thought on him. A lot of the advanced scouting community loves Tapia. They love his approach. They love the the way that he's able to find his way on base. Uh, there are a lot of old school baseball people who don't really like Tapia because he is unorthodox a little bit. He has a very strange uh, two strike approach in which he, when he gets down to two strikes, he completely changes his batting stance, goes into almost a Bagwell like squat, uh, and kind of tries to explode out of that to defend the strike zone against a two strike count. You don't see that very often but with Tapia for so long everybody's been telling the Rockies and been telling him that it's not going to work and it just continues to work and again he's another guy who really has no business age-wise being around all this other talent very very young but batting 314 and 800 OPS he continues to just excel at the plate and he has seen a lot of time at center field in the AFL he saw a lot of time in Modesto in center field but a left-handed hitting guy 21 years old I love me some Tapia you know I love me some Tapia I know you called that I, pick before I called that pick yeah I was ready to call that pick beforehand and he was I should have just taken him first pick. overall to get it out of the way yeah well that's all right you were gonna get him at some point like you were going to like him more yep. than I was gonna like him yep so no matter what you were gonna get him at some absolutely point. he was on my board but not that high um, I'm looking at it now I I don't have a pitcher yet. Should probably shore that up. I know you've used already used up your pitcher, but I might as well talk about mine. I'm going to stay in the Cardinals organization um, with another guy I really like from Toolshed because I write about people I like. But uh, Luke Weaver, um, a guy I'm going to make him my my starting pitcher. Okay. Um, you know, there's a couple of good options out there. I, I I really like Josh Hader. You know, Dylan Bundy was there. He's hurt, but as far as talent wise goes, we all know how how good he is once he's healthy. Um, James Paxton's a guy with major league talent, but Luke Weaver is just a guy, you know, having been able to see him now, uh, you know, watching games, quality games on the TV. Uh, he's got a 1.88 ERA so far, 14 to third innings, 14 strikeouts. He's only given up seven hits, only three walks. So he's keeping guys off the base paths. He just has, like I said, the killer changeup. Had a 1.62 ERA in the Florida State League this year. Guy who just has a really deceptive delivery. Um, everything coming out of his hand looks the same. So whether it's going to be a, you know, 92 mile an hour fastball, or if it's going to be a changeup, um, you know, he just seems to fool guys left and right. He's a, he's a good option to have, you know, he comes obviously from good, uh, from a good organization that's de- in developing pitching in the Cardinals. You know, they develop Reyes. I think Weaver is going to definitely climb when uh, lists come out this year. He's already gone up from 13 to number eight. Uh, you know, he, he's a college guy. He knows what he's doing out there. And, um, yeah, he's just somebody who I think is very reliable as far as AFL goes. And I'll be interested to see what happens next year when he climbs up a little bit, gets some, some more hitters parks than what he was facing in the FSL. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel solid about Weaver at the top of my, uh, or getting on the bump for me. 
That's not a uh, not a bad thing for the Cardinals to have. We each get to pick one pitcher. They both come from that system. It kind of shows you what the the depth that's coming up in the St. Louis organization. Um, right. The I I need a, a second baseman and I need one more outfielder as my board stands right now. And uh, the second baseman have kind of struggled in the AFL this year. But uh, the the one guy who's really stood out, Carlos Oswai, who is with the Scottsdale Scorpions. Um, Carlos again, just a, a very good offensive performer. Fourteen games this year. He's rebounded from not a rough year, but uh, a season in which he was down compared to what he did last season. Uh, this year he was with Class A Advanced Portland, or with Double A Portland after spending last year with Class A Advanced Salem and Class A Greenville. Between those two teams, last season at two levels of A ball, batted 310 with a 927 OPS. This year with Portland and Double A down to a 708 OPS, he batted 251. Didn't really reach at quite the rate that he did last year, only a 334 on base percentage. It was 393 a year ago. But he's really rebounded well in the AFL uh he's reached at a 355 clip and it seems like feels a little bit more confident getting toward the end of the season so he rounds out my infield yeah and the good thing about Iswahe um just following him the last couple years in the Red Sox system he's kind of Brock Holt Jr. as far as the way they've used him around um so the good thing for you is you can move him to third. You can yeah, absolutely. play some at short. He's played some outfield. He's certainly a jack of all trades as far as that stuff goes. So, you know, he, you know, you can move him at second. I think that's his best spot. Um doesn't have the best arm, but he he certainly has a he's shown a good, good enough bat in the past if not necessarily this year. So, I'll give you I'll give you credit for him cuz second base like I said is kind of slim picking, so that's a good one as far if we're t- taking the top 2 second baseman. Uh, I'm going to round out my outfield. Uh, when I was saying I was going between these two guys last time, I was talking about outfielders. Uh, I'm going to go with Clint Frazier. Okay. Um, it, Clint has gone through this before. You know, be- between him and Austin Meadows, those guys are always going to be tied together in terms of drafts. You know, they were taken the same year, both Georgia guys, Georgia high school guys. Uh, and I have that same debate here. Frazier, I really, really like his bat. Um, I think it really came around. This year with the Indians, um, I know he had some struggles last year at Lake County, um, but everybody likes to talk about his bat speed. Uh, he's certainly a guy who's going to grow into his power. He hit 16 homers this year, had 36 doubles. One of those guys who you think, as he gets older, he's he just turned 21, so he played this entire season at age 20. As he gets older, as he gets more into his 20s, that those doubles are going to turn into homers. Certainly a 20 to 25 homer type guy. Um, this year in the AFL, has been, you know, not quite as, uh, hold on, let me just get the numbers here. Uh, well, yet he's got plenty of at-bats, I'll tell you that much. He's got 74 at-bats, 297 average, 825 OPS. So he is, you know, he's holding certainly holding his own against the more advanced competition for a guy who hadn't played above high A so far. Um Yeah, he, I, I'll figure out a spot for him in the outfield between, you know, Phillips and Brinson. I like that three mix, they'll be fine. Yeah, that's a very rangy uh, outfield you got. They're going right, to cover yeah, a lot definitely. of ground. Yeah, somebody, whoever gets stuck in left is not going to be particularly happy. <laughs> but uh, that's all right. That's a good problem to have. So I'll, I'll take that. All right. 
All right. I like it. I'm going to go where you have all range in your outfield. I'm going to have uh, a little bit less range, but I'm going to have a, a lot more pop. And again, I'm kind of going off the grid somewhat, but you got to pick a guy who was over here with us in Taiwan. So I'm going to pick a guy who's over here, not on the same roster as Brett Phillips. I'm going to take Team Canada's Tyler O'Neill, the big bat out of the Seattle Mariners organization to round out my outfield. Uh, I love Tyler O'Neill. Got to talk to him a lot this season. Um, just a... A guy who scares you, I think, would probably be the term because he's yes. a giant. He gives me nightmares. He is a giant human being. He's only listed at 5'11", 210. But we have a shot. We use a, a service, uh, a Flickr account for all of our photos that we use for the stories on MILB.com, uh, peeling the curtain back. Um, but <laughs> there is a shot of Tyler O'Neill taking batting practice this year in Bakersfield in which his forearms like make me – have such body image issues his forearms are like the size of my waist he's just a giant a behemoth guy and i love tyler o'neill again we're building this team around character guys i like good character guys here o'neill is he's a good attitude guy i like the fact that he is somebody who's gone out and played for his national team twice over the last uh four months now he played uh for team canada and the pan am games as well uh back in july and so i like somebody like that who has that commitment to all things baseball he did the afl he's doing the premier 12 he did the team canada thing for the pan am games and oh by the way he went out after the all-star break this year and hit approximately seven thousand home runs i think was his actual split after the all-star break no his second half line for class a advanced bakersfield this year in 57 games prior to the all-star break a 240 average a 754 ops 14 homers 39 driven in all very decent numbers pretty good for the california league after the all-star break 49 games 18 homers 48 runs batted in 286 average a 1020 ops i love tyler o'neill he's my other corner outfielder yeah, as you were talking, I, w- I brought up our Flickr account, and I don't know if it's the same picture you're talking about, but this one is <laughs> just like lazily taking a swing, yes. and there's veins popping yes, out of his arm. there's just veins exploding out of his arm. And I know my uh, hand, yep. like my hand gets blood, but I don't think I have those same veins. <laughs> just looking at it right now, like, I just don't, it doesn't like, operate the same for any of us. No, yeah, that's, yeah, it's that's just like the left, arm. the left arm just kind of lazily drifted back over his head. Is that the one you're looking at? Yeah, yeah, yep, it's, that's it's it. Terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah, and it's like yeah. somebody sprayed that blaze shirt on him. Also, <laughs> basically because Tyler O'Neill is just uh, you know he looks like a, a bodybuilder. That's why he's that's why he's going to be in the middle of my lineup. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a good one to have. Um, all right, I, I'm kind of looking over my lineup right now. I, I think the only thing I don't have is uh, the DH. Oh, I, I don't have a DH in a third baseman, so I'm going to take my DH first because I'm more prepared for that. Uh, I'm going to take Dominic Smith and I'm actually going to go kind of back engineer this. I'm going to take Dominic Smith. I'm going to move him to first and I'm going to make AJ Reed the DH. Okay. Uh, Cause I, I trust, uh, you know, AJ Reed, everything you hear about him is that he can handle first. He's okay there. He's can certainly justify his spot there, but Dominic Smith is actually a pretty good, uh, defensive first baseman. Um, he's certainly nimble for his size. So that infield, you know, that we talked about that I have right now. He's another plus infielder over there. A guy who really struggled coming out of the gate this year at St. Lucie. Um, wasn't necessarily showing the power. Wasn't necessarily showing anything, really. But ended up finishing the year with a 305 average. Um, really turned things around, got things figured out. You know, spent half the year as a 19-year-old, then turned 20. So he's playing kind of young for the for the league anyways. And then it's just come to the uh, 
to the AFL and tore the ball off, you know, done really, really well, played 12 games, had a 385 average, a 519 OBP. Uh, this is a guy who's walking more than he's striking out, 12 walks, seven strikeouts, uh, five extra base hits, four of them doubles, a homer. Uh, his He's not quite grown into his power yet. You know, he's a first base guy. I think I said he only had six homers this year. Um, so he's not that stereotypical guy, but with Reed and a couple of the, the options I have, I think I have enough power the way things are going now. Uh, Smith is actually a guy I would love to put, you know, kind of that Eric Hosmer role or a couple other teams that do this, but I would, I would love to put him higher up in my lineup, maybe in the, the two hole, just because he is a guy who can get on base. He's certainly a guy who's willing to make contact and has a good knowledge of the strike zone. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go a little different and I'm going to, Pick him as my DH technically, but I'm going to make him my first baseman. I like that. I like that also. I'm going to steal a page from your playbook, and I think I'm uh, going to reverse engineer my lineup based on this final pick also. There are a handful of guys who I've got in this spot. You're all done with picks, right? I still have a third baseman. Oh, you still need a third baseman. Okay, well, none of my guys left are third baseman, so I'm going to just give you all of them who I'm debating between. Uh, And I think I will give you the guy who I believe I'm going to take first, and that's Adam Angle from the Chicago White Sox, who has had a blistering AFL season so far. Adam Angle is uh, a prospect who a lot of people didn't really know what to make of him coming out of school. I think the the debate with Angle was always, is he going to be able to hit enough? Uh, what is his offensive profile going to look like as a professional? Um, ever since he came out of school when he was at Louisville, that's always been the knock on him. Uh, only hit 265 with two homers in three years in college and fell all the way to the 19th round, but the White Sox got him, and ever since then, he's acquitted himself very, very well in pro ball. This year in the AFL, though, he has blown up. He's batting 418 through his first 16 games this season. Very, very fast. He set the Australian Baseball League stolen bases record last year, so a very fleet-footed guy. I really, really like Adam Engel. I'm going to take him. I'm going to put him in the outfield, and I'm probably going to move Tyler O'Neill uh, to the designated hitter spot. Uh, you know get him some rest let him lift in games do, do all the things get him some uh, some muscle milk that's that's what we need <laughs> in the dugout on this yeah. team but i i love there's a couple other guys who i really really like that I saw in the AFL who I were not necessarily on my radar before I was in Arizona last week. I really like Roman Fields of the Toronto Blue Jays. Fields yeah. is uh, has That's not an awesome story too. Yeah, very very good story. Um, his numbers have not been eye popping throughout his professional career so far, but he has looked outstanding so far in the AFL. Uh, so far in that league, twelve stolen bases. That leads the league. Four triples. That leads the league. But the thing I really like from him, he's walked fourteen times. That's third most in the league this season and his speed is ridiculous speed uh mlb.com scouting scale of course which goes from 20 to 80 as they uh, as they all do has fields graded out as a 70 with his run tool and it's as good as anybody i've seen in recent memory i mean it's not billy hamilton speed but he is very very quick there's a guy over here on uh, on team usa at the premier 12 and jacob may the chicago white Sox, who has comparable speed and jacob may's speed is basically double plus or even better that's kind of what it feels like with fields as well um just you know every time he took a jump every time he took a lead and got one of those quick first step releases from first base he was into second base two three steps ahead of every throw on the the bags that i saw him swipe so i really really like fields I also really like a Miami Marlins prospect who uh, got his moment in the sun during the Fall Stars game, and that's Austin Dean, who's another outfielder. And Austin Dean is um, 
kind of somebody who is probably not in the the conversation of even in the Marlins organization. I mean, he's definitely one of their top prospects. He ranks sixth overall, according to the MLB pipeline rankings. But again, similarly to fields a little bit, hasn't put up the most blistering of numbers so far, but you could tell just has a very well-rounded game. He hit the inside the park home run early on in the fall stars game last Saturday. I really like Austin Dean. He's a fun player to watch. So those are the two yeah. guys I'm not going to take, but I'm going to take Adam Engel. Well, the thing I like about Adam Engel, having done a notebook on him, having to, having talked to him a little bit, he knows exactly what he has to do. I mean, if yeah, I think he said something like, you know, if I could just turn on hitting, I know I would be the complete hit, you know, the complete outfielder that every organization wants, and you know that the White Sox are looking for. But it's obviously not that easy. Right. One of the toughest things you can do in sports is trying to hit the ball. But uh, he has a great Twitter name. Uh, which is man of steel underscore 10 yeah. and that's steel with S T A L. This is a guy a, who stole 65 bases this year. Um, I think you did a story. Somebody did a story this year about him being at Winston Salem and one of the coaches legitimately called him Superman. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way he's about, he's able to fly in the outfield and, you know, make all the acrobatic catches and do everything you want out there. Yeah. He was one of our um, White Sox organization all-stars. Yeah. That's what it was. That That's what it was. So, it's he's definitely a guy who certainly embraces that and uh yeah he's certainly fun to watch so i guess i'm gonna wrap this up with a third baseman um again kind of talking my way through this because we're all we're basically done here but i'm i'm between renato nunez and dj peterson and i think i'm gonna go with nunez nunez is a guy you know he's kind of formed a little bit of a bash brothers thing with matt olson um, in that system, you know, guys who played at Double A Midland this year, yeah. he hit 18 homers, had 23 doubles. Yeah, he's not necessarily the best guy in the field. I think I have enough to cover that on the infield. He's MLB.com's 10th overall third base prospect. Um, certainly has a lot of thump. I think as he gets older, he's only 21 right now, going into his age 22 season. As he gets older, he's certainly going to be a guy who can approach 25 homers. Um, we'll see what happens when he hits the PCL potentially next year, uh, but. I think I I will certainly have him covered on the on that side of the infield with him playing next to J.P. Crawford. Um, I think he's worth you know a, a tryout there in the seven hole, something like that. So uh, yeah, I'll round out our picks with Renato Nunez. There are very few guys I like watching just hit as Renato Nunez as much as I like watching Renato Nunez. I got to see him on the backfields in spring training, and the the way the ball comes off of his bat, everything he hits. He finds the barrel and just obliterates. Even the outs are loud outs. He's one of those guys who, when you stand near the cage during batting practice, it's like uncomfortable because it's so loud. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the good thing is, you know, hopefully that'll turn into real power, raw. You know, the, he's got that raw power. He's, it's one thing to have it on the backfields in batting practice. Um, he's got to start turning it into the games a little bit more. But uh, some encouraging signs, at least this fall league season, I would think. These are good teams. I like these teams. Oh no! This came out exactly the way I hoped. I'm pretty happy with mine. Yeah, I'm me too. I'm surprised at some of the stuff he took. I uh, so. I feel like you know this is an only a two team league. So these two teams, <laughs> Sam and I, are going to pair off against each other for 162 games. We're going to go full major league schedule, just playing yeah. against each other. We're, and we're definitely going to gather these guys together to make yeah, this happen. This is absolutely going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, they're okay with being drafted into a league they did not sign up for, nor could we pay them for. But yeah. You know, 
It's all for the fun of the game. Yeah, absolutely. That's what everybody does it for, right? Here's my roster yeah, one more cool. time, uh, and then I'll have Sam run through his. I've got Alex Reyes. He is my pitcher on this roster. Reese McGuire, my catcher. Rowdy Tellez is at first base. Uh, the middle infield for me, I've got Asuaye at second, Arroyo at short. Heimer Candelario is at third, and the outfield looks a little bit different because I moved Tyler O'Neill to designated hitter, but I've got Adam Brett Walker, the second in one corner, Rymel Tapia in another corner, and Adam Engel in center field because he – is Superman. So that's my, I'm happy with this squad. I like it. That's good. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters in this weird. It's going to be a grind. It's going to be a grind. 162 games against the Sam Dykes organization. We know we're going to have to play top level. Yeah. uh, Hopefully Luke Weaver's (laughs) arm stays on. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. So yeah, just run through my lineup. Like I said, Luke Weaver's my starting pitcher. Catching him will be Gary Sanchez. At first will be Dominic Smith. At second, Jerks and Profar. JP Crawford at short. Renato Nunez, as I just said, at third. In the three outfield spots to be determined, I'll still figure out how this is all going to shake out. Um, I think we're going to go Clint Frazier in left, Brett Phillips in center, Lewis Brinson in right. Uh, That's TBD. We'll see how that goes. And then at the DH spot will be the thumper himself, A.J. Reed. I like it. I like these teams. These are this is a pretty evenly matched league we have going on, which it has to be since they're the only two teams in it. Um, so there it is. That's our 2015 Arizona Fall League draft, and uh, the AFL will wrap up play coming up on the 21st. As of today, if the championship game was going to happen today, which is Friday where I am and Thursday where you are, Sam Scottsdale Scorpions are leading the AFL's East Division there at 16 and eight, and the Glendale Desert Dogs trail the surprise Saguaros. So surprise right now. 15 and 9 seems like they've got the AFL West uh, pretty well locked up actually Glendale and Peoria are tied behind surprise in the West at 10 and 12 and the Saguaros are 15 and 9 so they've got a four game lead in that division the East a little bit tighter Salt River is two and a half games back of Scottsdale so still a little bit to be made there Mesa has had a rough go of things this year they're 6 and 19 overall just a pitching staff that has really really struggled issued a ton of walks that staff ERA 6.71 so it's been a, uh, a rough go of things for Mesa but uh, if the season regular season were to end today Scottsdale and Surprise are your top two teams yeah that, that Mesa team I know we've texted back and forth about them while you were down there I imagine nobody wants to see each other from that team ever yeah. again yeah. <laughs> yeah I think you're right they'll just have stories to tell their children and each other every time they cross paths hopefully in the majors some of those guys and be like you remember that one fall yeah we remember don't that talk one mesa season Ugh. and that yeah. team i mean that team has a good amount of talent jake bowers from the tampa bay rays is on that roster again candelario's there austin dean is there chad hinshaw's there chad pinder renato nunez daniel robertson they've got some good bats they're hitting 263 as a team which isn't bad but they have really really struggled uh on the mound and it's, again a 6 and 19 record a 6.71 staff era so uh don't worry mesa hang in there it's uh, another couple of weeks and and again it's good experience for everybody no matter what so those are our arizona fall league uh dream rosters for the 2015 season and one of the members of the sam dykeser organization is over here in taipei with usa baseball brett phillips of the uh formerly of the houston astros system now the number two prospect in the milwaukee brewers system joins the 33rd edition of the show before the show podcast next We always knew that we were going to get number two Milwaukee Brewers prospect Brett Phillips on the show before the show, the Minor League Baseball Podcast. What we did not know was that it would come at a baseball stadium in Taipei, Taiwan. But now Team USA's Brett Phillips joins the show for the first time. Hey, man. How are you? Man, Tyler, I'm honored to be a part of the show. <laughs> it's good to see you. This is, uh, this is crazy. So a little bit of backstory. 
You have been a member of this team now for a couple of weeks. Uh, the United States putting together a team for the Premier 12 tournament, which is put on the world, by the World Baseball Softball Confederation. Kind of a, a tournament that will eventually, they hope, uh, factor into Olympic qualifiers four years down the road, all that kind of stuff. We're not going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about how you got here. Um, this has been a long season for you, obviously, but you get to come over here and play some baseball, taking on Mexico tonight. You guys, uh, tough game yesterday, took on Venezuela, day before Dominican Republic. I mean, it's a lot of really good baseball talent out out here how did you get involved with this how did this come up for you you know uh, I was going to the fall league so I had my uh, my, my mindset and I set on the fall league and performing there and you know a couple days before I went out to the fall league I get a call from Paul Cedar who's the <clears throat> CEO of uh, USA Baseball and you know he called and asked he said uh, the Milwaukee Brewers were okay uh, with this you know opportunity for me to come over here to uh, Taiwan and be in the Premier 12 tournament and it was up to me if uh, I wanted to join and you know I was 100% in and you know I'm excited for this experience it's it's been awesome so far and you know, I'm just taking it day by day over here in Taiwan. How cool is this? I mean, you guys, this is a team that's comprised of guys from a lot of different organizations. I mean, basically every major league club, it seems like, is represented in some way here on the U.S. team. And you guys uh, got together in Phoenix and Scottsdale a few weeks ago, started working out. Um, and it, it really, everything that everybody says about playing for Team USA seems like it holds true. You come overseas, you got that USA across your chest, it means something more. How cool is this for you guys? Oh, man, it's awesome. You know, it starts with uh, Willie Randolph as a manager which is you know awesome having his experience um, above us and him being a you know a 10 year plus big leaguer and then you know like you said getting to wear USA across your chest every night come out here playing for the USA with the flag on your you know your right shoulder it's it's been awesome and uh, I'm so excited to be here representing the USA I just uh, hope we can we can bring home a gold for for our for our nation what's the adjustment been like you guys flew over here last week um, I know I was talking with a couple of guys on the training staff who said they basically told you when you got in stay awake uh, try to go to bed at a, a normal hour to go to bed get a good night's sleep have you guys felt like you've adjusted pretty well to the time difference of jet lag and all that yeah yeah we had three days to get to get used to the the jet lag and the time difference it was a 15-hour flight over here so that was the longest flight I've been on but you know they the tournament gave us a good amount of time for us to get in, settled in, played a couple exhibition games, which was fun. But uh, you know, we're here. We're third. We're we're three games in. I feel like we're uh, we're up to our. You know, our, 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 our standards, we, we lost a tough one yesterday to Venezuela, but, you know, tonight against Mexico, I feel feel pretty good about the rest of the tournament going forward. You had a moment uh, against Chinese Taipei in which you joined sort of the Eastern culture of baseball bat flips. You hit a monstrous home run in an exhibition game against Chinese Taipei, and you unleashed like Bautista-esque in the bat flip. Take me through the moment and the mental process leading into the bat flip go. Oh, man, that was awesome. Awesome. Uh, I came in in the seventh inning. Uh, I I was uh, I went into left field. I hadn't had an at bat yet, and we come we come to the top of the ninth. Uh, Chinese Taipei was obviously home team, but uh, they're up three to two in front of you know fourteen thousand packed stands, and uh, I it was one zero with two outs. And next pitch happened to be a fastball down and in where where I like it, and then. <laughs> probably hit one of the further balls in my life and next thing you know I'm two steps out of the box and the bat's 10 feet up in the air <laughs> you know I would never do that over in the United States but over here you you have to embrace the culture and you know do what they do and uh, I actually talked to my buddy the, the day after who's on Chinese Taipei and 
he said, uh, I asked him, I said, hey, was that like disrespect to your team? And said, no, they said, no, they all loved it. <laughs> so, you know, I was pretty happy about that. Uh, unfortunately, it was only an exhibition game, so hopefully I'll have the chance to um, do it here in the in the regular tournament. And you guys played in front of a huge crowd that night. I know uh, last night I had the call on Japan-Mexico here at Tianmu Stadium in, Taiwan, in Taipei, and the, the crowds are getting into it. I mean, that's a different experience from playing in, you know, in the Cal League or in the Texas League or wherever you've been in your career. You don't get a lot of those nights in front of 15,000 people. How cool has that been for you guys? That was awesome. Uh, that was I say the loudest game I've played uh, in my career so far. You know, they had the whistles, they had noisemakers, and every out, every strike, they were cheering like it was the World Series. It was awesome. So, uh, you know, shutting 15,000 Chinese Taipei fans up with one swing was definitely been the highlight so far but it was a really fun experience I'm, I'm happy to be out here let's talk a little bit about the minor league season um well let's talk about the afl first uh you got named to to that league a prestigious league i mean you go down you play with some of the top prospects in all baseball and um it's it's different because you're mixed in with so many different guys from so many different organizations and stuff and you're in that clubhouse and you get to learn from different coaching staffs and you're playing against all-star teams every night basically how'd you find the afl oh i thought it was a great experience over there in the arizona fall league like you said, playing with the best guys in the minor leagues day in and day out, playing against and playing with them, you, you learn a lot and you get better. You know, uh, That competition nightly, you're going to see a good pitcher every time someone comes to the mound. So that was a really fun experience over there. Uh, I had Carlos Subero, who's my double-A manager. He was a the manager there in the fall league, which was a uh, good, a familiar face. And then most of the guys on the team I had heard of or had met before. So we had a really fun team, and I was I was excited. That was a, that was a fun time. It's been a long year for you. You went to uh, the spring training, got things started February, March. Uh, you break camp. I mean, you head out to Double A and the Astros organization, putting a good season together, and then all of a sudden trade deadline comes. You're sent to the Milwaukee Brewers, finish up the year with Double A Biloxi, a very very good team. You guys come up just short uh, in the Southern League in that last round. And uh, to look back on this season now and know where you're going into 2016, very highly coveted member of the Brewers organization. Um, <coughs> This whole journey has been, I would imagine, extraordinarily long. But how exciting is that for you? You know, be going in, a fresh start, new system, and, and be able to go to spring training 2016 looking over the big leagues. Oh, I'm pumped, you know, to be with the Milwaukee Brewers now. You know, at the time, the trade was bittersweet just because I had established good good relationships and friendships over with the, the coaches and the players with the Astros. But, you know, looking outside the box, it's a great opportunity for my career being in a, in a trade like this, you know, four minor leaguers for two big leaguers, it's it's a good opportunity for me, and I, I can only be happy about it going into spring training. I've already met a lot of the the, uh, the staff, not the coach, the big league coaching staff, but a lot of the staff with the Brewers, and uh, I've met a lot of the guys so far, and they're all great group of guys, great group of coaches who, who know their stuff, so I'm looking over there and looking forward to getting better every day and, you know, hopefully helping the, the Brewers win in, in the near future. What's this offseason going to look like for you? Because it hasn't been an offseason as of yet. you got maybe a few days to rest before the AFL, go down to the AFL, then you're with Team USA, now you're over here. This tournament, depending on how far you guys advance, I mean, if you're going to the gold medal game, that's not until the end of, uh, that's the 21st of November. So that's another, you know, 10 days from now or so. But when you get back home, what's the offseason going to look like going into spring training? Yeah, well, hopefully I get home November 20, 23rd with a gold medal and, you know, take at least a week and a half off. Uh, Usually rest is, is your biggest 
your biggest need after a season, especially as long as this. So I'll rest a little bit, but then after that, I mean, I only have two months two months to get after it. And uh, I'm going to get after it in the weight room like I did last year and also hot yoga. I enjoy, you know, doing hot yoga, getting flexible, and uh, it's uh, it's good for injury prevention. So that's probably what I'll, what I'll do, just try and, you know, take a little time off and try and get as strong and as big as I can going into spring training. International media star Brett Phillips. He was doing a Japanese TV interview a little while ago, and you're going to be you're plastered all over this, all over this continent now, Brett Phillips. Good luck the rest of the way, man. Thanks a ton. Thank you guys. I appreciate. It. That'll do it for our Arizona Fall League conversation, and let's move on to the news of the day today. A big trade has gone down in Major League Baseball. It's still as of right now. Uh, actually, no, it is official. As of just a little bit ago, uh, it is official. Andrelton Simmons and catcher Jose Braseno are on the move. They are headed out west from the Atlanta Braves to the Los Angeles Angels, who I believe officially this year are dropping of Anaheim from their name. Uh, take that for with a grain of salt because I'm not 100% positive, but I think I read that somewhere. Anyway, they are moved for two huge names for our purposes uh eric ibar is the the major league property that is headed over to the atlanta braves in this deal but the big ones are sean newcomb the top prospect in all of the angels organization now moving over to the atlanta braves and chris ellis who was the number two prospect in the angels organization he has moved over uh as well to the atlanta braves atlanta dealing andrelton simmons that's enough of a shock. But now you look at the young arms that the Braves have stockpiled. That's a shock also. I mean, the Braves are, are loaded now. Sam, what are some of your thoughts on this uh, on this deal? Yeah, it kind of feels like – so when this first broke, you know, that last night I think um, it was – who uh, news broke that they were looking at trading Anderton Simmons to the NL West. And I was yeah. Jonah Carey's initial fact, tweet was that it was right, an NL West team. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. That's what I was trying to remember who it was. Jonah Carey, big fan. Please write more and more and more. I know Forever. Grantland's gone. R.I.P. Grantland. Love Jonah Carey. Jonah Carey tweeted that, and I, I was like taken aback because you know Andrelton Simmons is such a controllable piece. They have him through 2020. You know, there's going to be escalators in his contract. Um, he's going to be making double digits in terms of million millions of dollars um, at some or eight figures at certain points and I understand that but this is the guy who's just the god of defense right now in Major League Baseball a guy who leads you know in all the advanced stats uh had the most defensive runs saved you know according to fan graphs among all position players um you know just such a really good piece and somebody you can build around and they they shipped him away and then news broke today that he was going to the Angels so I was thinking well you know who could the Angels be trading it had to be Newcomb right. lo and behold it was um, so Newcomb joins, like you were mentioning, Tyler, just the amount of young arms in that system right now, just listing the guys off who are in the top 10 right now. Newcomb, Tuki Toussaint, Kobe Allard, Tyrell Jenkins, who they got in a trade, Manny Manuelos, who they got in a trade, Max Fried, who they got in a trade, Chris Ellis slots in at number eight right now, who they got in a trade, Lucas Sims, who's doing really well in the fall league right now. So those are just some really, really big names. And, the- and not to mention, those two guys slot into the top 10. They bump out three other names who were lined up 10, 11, and 12. Ricardo Sanchez was number 10. Mike Soroka was number 11. And Zach Bird was number 12, who they also got in a trade. Yeah, so, so it's this- like, what? Right. 
ridiculous. It, it feels right now what they're trying to do is like the Mets model. Right, you know, they exactly. Saw what the Mets they're doing, doing the anti-Cubs model Mets. almost. It's all pitching, and uh, the position players, I mean, obviously are good, but they're going with like a, a Cubs-level group of prospects, but they're doing it from the position, the pitching side. Again, yeah, like you said, very similarly to what the Mets have done. Yeah, and the, the thing about pitching is, at least in this situation, pardon the pun, it's not really a pun, but they're just trying to throw them all together and see what happens because pitching obviously – figures itself out much less. There's so much that can go into it. Guys can flame out there. There can be injuries. There can be whatever, you know, when we're listing all these guys, these are all starting pitching prospects. So some guys are going to go to the bullpen. Some guys are going to stick in as starters. I certainly think that's going to be the case of Newcomb. You know, he's just such a power guy, such a sturdy, well-built guy. Um, I did a tool shed earlier this year about him and how he came through the Northeast, a guy who grew up in Massachusetts, then went to the university of Hartford. So he's not a guy who's used to pitching, you know, inning on inning on inning, he had to, you know, kind of be sheltered because of how cold the winters get up here. Um, So he's certainly got plenty of life left in that arm. Um, He's, he's the best of the bunch, but then, you know, Toussaint, if he figures things out, Manny Wells already has some time. I'm really a big fan of Tyrell Jenkins. I think he can, if he doesn't make it as a starter, he's certainly a very good back end option. Um, So it's tough for Braves fans. I know a lot of Braves fans are worried because, they are punting 2016. You know, the rest of the offseason is not done yet, but it does feel like the Braves are just going to punt again and they're going to try yeah. to go for a, an Astros-Cubs model where we're going to get another good pick and we're just going to keep building and see what happens in time for their new stadium. But there is some there is something to be excited for, I, w- I would say. At least there's hope. They got a lot for a guy who can't hit very well. Um, as, as much as I said, he's the defensive god. He pr- provides tons of wins on his glove and arm alone, they got as much as they could from a very barren Aryan angel system to go as it started with. And yeah, uh, that's a great point. Yeah. So that I, I, if I'm a Braves fan, I'm happy with what, if we're, if you're going to trade Angel to Simmons, this is a good package. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that is. And it's a, a very good point. You made the angel system looks weaker now than it did obviously at the start of the day yesterday it was already arguably the weakest in baseball and that's taken nothing away from the the guys who are the top prospects in that system there's just not the depth there that you see in other organizations and the angels are kind of one of those holdouts they're one of those teams that has not embraced the idea of trying to build that strong minor league core um and obviously there was some craziness there in the front office this season with jerry depoto leaving and uh the dynamics between ownership and between depoto and mike Sosha and whatever it was but the 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 cupboard now looks more barren than it did yesterday and yesterday it did not look good so the angels are kind of the inverse of the braves right now where they're putting a lot into 2016 and you add andrelton simmons to that lineup very i mean obviously we know what he does with the glove uh but uh, another good offensive uh asset to have in that lineup in a tough division um everybody in that division is tough the mariners are not going to be a slouch next year you would think i mean obviously from the names they've added over the last few seasons and changing things up in the front office this offseason they're trying to make a run in 2016 the Rangers were there this year. The Astros were there this year. It does not. And the A's are always there. So it's not any easier in that division. And the Angels now really putting a lot on 2016. Yeah. And the thing about the Angels, too, not you have to consider, at least when it comes to getting a guy like Simmons, is that they have a decent amount of guys who are ground ball pitchers anyways. I mean, Shoemaker is certainly filling that role. Um, you know, CJ Wilson is a little bit more of a ground ball guy. Andrew Heaney likes to, to keep it on the ground as much as he can. Um, so, you know, 
this is just a guy who's going to suck up all those ground balls that are going to be coming his way. Uh, we'll, you know, the, we'll have to see how his bat progresses. If they're going to try to do anything with his bat, or if they're just going to let him be, you know, take what as you know the three four win player that he is, and be happy with that build around that. Um, and you know, I saw a tweet earlier today from I think it was JJ Cooper of Baseball America who said, you know, a lot of organizations think that bats tend to age much more well than defense does. You know, defense can go at you can lose your quickness. You can lose your first step. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to be next year. I don't think it's going to be two years from now. It may not even be three years from now. But maybe there will be the point where Angleton Simmons will uh, will lose his defensive step and won't have the bat to match. And But right now, from where we stand, I think the Angels, they're, they're certainly building towards next year. And uh, that, that'll be an exciting team to watch. Simmons and Trout in the same lineup. And Cole Calhoun, who's another really good defensive player. Um, that'll be fun for just the web gems. The stove, man. Stove is heating up. The stove is hot. Heating up this stove, I, Sam. I, yeah, and the thing about this trade, I love. <laughs> from our perspective, I love this trade so much just because it involves actually juicy prospects. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is the stuff you can really sink your teeth into if you're in the world like we are, and hopefully you are at home if you're listening to this. Obviously, we hope you have the same interests we do. Um, a guy like Sean Newcomb being on the move, what that's going to do for him, what the Braves are going to do for him and how he's going to fit that piece of the puzzle. You know, we'll be keeping an eye on that and that'll certainly be part of our spring training coverage next year. It's going to be a fun off season. It seems like it's uh, when it gets started this crazy, I mean, we already saw a six player deal last week uh, between the Marlins or the Mariners and the Rays. Um, we saw a kind of a bizarre trade between the Marlins and pirates last week in which Miami sent a prospect as what has come out since via a story from Jason Stark of ESPN, basically as compensation for signing away a couple of executives. It's been a weird off season so far. It's been a, a little bit strange and you know, we're not even to the end of the AFL. The winter meetings are still a month away. Yeah. I was kind of thinking like if we were going to get a traditional trade from these GM meetings, you know, reading some of the stories, Dave and Dombrowski, you know, new Red Sox executive was saying it, it kind of feels more like a winter meeting and that we're all kind of feeling each other yeah. out, but not actually doing anything. So then boom, this happens. And this is the stuff we love. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun off season. And, uh, yeah, for, uh, Episode number 33, we're rounding things down, and um, we are going to be, you know, again, continuing to plug along with the podcast. Uh, Benjamin Hill will rejoin us when he returns from his brief hiatus. Where is he, New Orleans, right? He said he was going to New Orleans at some point. I think there was another undisclosed location. Ben just, <laughs> Ben's just yeah. trying to throw us all off the trail. If you, if you can find Ben, send a picture of Ben Maybe he's in out on the road in a non-professional capacity to us, to the Twitters. And, uh, yeah, where's Ben? We'll play that game this week. Benjamin Hill, not officially on the road, put the not officially in brackets. And that'll be, yeah, that'll be the, the title of Ben's latest sojourn. Um, yeah, that's going to do it. I should be back, uh, in, in your hemisphere. Uh, I think as of Monday, I think I fly out of here on Monday. So next week, normal podcast, we'll be back. We'll be back in the same normal, uh, normal as far as our podcast goes. Right. Exactly. As normal as these podcasts could be, which let's yeah. be honest, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else that we missed? I don't think so. Nothing too crazy. No. All right. Well, do you want to talk about Alex Reyes or not? Uh, yeah, let's talk about Alex Reyes a little bit. Um, that news came down this week, and um, that's a tough one. It was uh, I actually heard about it 
just a little bit before I saw the USA baseball roster arrive at uh, one of the facilities in, in Taipei a couple of days ago for their first game. I got to talk about that with a couple of guys and, um, you know, not mentioning any names. The, the, the sentiment was, again, Alex Reyes, great guy, very good character guy, knows he made a mistake, feels awful about it, but it's not something if I was a Cardinals fan, I don't think I would be extraordinarily concerned going forward based on what I had heard from those guys talking to them back on Tuesday. Now, that being said, it's obviously, I mean, it's a big loss in his developmental track now to be gone for that span of time. But I don't know, Sam, your thoughts on, on this whole situation. Yeah. Uh, well, just to kind of back up, you know, what I'm going to say with words, I'll read his statement. Um, I take full responsibility for my actions and apologize for disappointing my family, fans, teammates, and the St. Louis Cardinals organization. I acknowledge my inappropriate behavior and will accept consequences. Baseball is my passion, and I'll do everything in my power to put this behind me and move forward. Um, so that's a guy who's owning it. You know, he's not claiming it was a false test. He's not, right. you know, saying I, you know, somebody, I was framed, anything like that. Totally accepted it. The statement came out the second it was announced. Um, so he even, it, you know, the official announcement was that it was for a second positive test for a drug of abuse. He straight out said it was for marijuana. Um, so, you know, he accepts what he's done and everything we hear is that he's a high makeup guy. You know, this is not something that's, that's a major problem. I don't think it's a slap on the wrist. You know, it, it it's disappointing for us that in that we're going to miss him for 50 games, which includes some time in the AFL. Um, yeah, Alex he's Grace supposed to be the on guy. the fall stars game. And was right. lifted from that roster just a couple days beforehand. Yeah. So they knew this was coming down. He knew this was coming down. Um, but, it, yeah, it's disappointing on our end just because he's a guy we love to see his results come in, especially the amount of strikeouts he has. Those are just fun box scores to watch. And then, you know, you're going to be able to get to see him potentially in Springfield or Memphis next year, um, certainly on MILB TV. So that would have been fun to check out. And we still will. I mean, that's certainly not out, out of the cards. And he, he will likely join – um, you know, the Cardinals at some point, if not in September, if not earlier, that he's an arm similar to what they did with Carlos Martinez a couple of years ago, um, could start in the bullpen, just be electric out there. And then they'll figure out if they want to make him a starter full time going forward. But, you know, he's just another good piece the Cardinals have who they've done the right things with. And, I, you know, this is this is just a misstep. This is not a wrong thing. This is not anything that will be talked about. For days on end, it's not a PED suspension. It's nothing of that sort. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a small blip, and uh, we'll move on once he gets back. Yeah, so we'll see Alex Reyes uh, toward the middle of next season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it would not surprise you to see a very accelerated line for him once he gets back on a mound competitively in the middle of 2016. So that'll do it for the 33rd edition of Minor League Baseball's The Show Before the Show podcast. You can rate, review, and subscribe to The Show Before the Show on iTunes. Head on over there and give us a rating and a review and bump us up the uh, the iTunes charts a little bit. We've been climbing pretty well over these last few weeks, so keep that momentum alive for us. Uh, you can tweet us at the podcast. He's at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B. I am at Tyler Mon. Minor League Baseball is at M-I-L-B. And you can also email us your questions, podcast at M-I-L-B dot com. For those of you who are interested, you can check out this uh, Premier 12 tournament. We've got live streams worldwide. You can find those. Uh, WBSC.org is the World Baseball Softball Confederation. So if you're a Brewers fan, you want to get a look at Brett Phillips. If you're a White Sox fan, you want to get a look at Jacob May. If you're a Diamondbacks fan, Jake Barrett's on your radar. Uh, head over and, uh, and check out the streams. Tons of other prospects 
prospects as well. Uh, not all ranked guys, but uh, a lot of prospects, a lot of free agents, guys looking for jobs for 2016. So tune in, watch some baseball if you're an insomniac and you need something to do uh, late nights, early mornings. we got a lot of it coming up this week, remainder of this week and on into next week. So uh, And listen to Tyler. They can hear yeah, your voice. Yeah, and you can hear me. I've got uh, Mexico and Korea coming up on Saturday, which will be very early morning Saturday U.S. time. And then I've got uh, the United States and Korea coming up on Sunday, which will be a really, really good matchup. The Korean team is pretty well loaded. I mean, they are uh, they put together an all-star roster from the Korea baseball organization. So um, the U.S. will get a shot against Korea on Sunday. That comes a day after they'll get a shot against world number one Japan. That's on Saturday. So it's uh, going to be a fun weekend over here. Yeah, and like I said, if you enjoy Tyler Mond's podcast or voice on the podcast, the show before the show, try it during an actual yeah, game. Yeah, try it game style. You know, yeah. it's like uh, it's like two different versions of the same drink. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you don't like them, but uh, you know they're there maybe for you. You'll find the one you do like. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, when we are uh, in the same sort of geographic region. Uh, thanks, Sam. Good to talk thanks, to you Tyler. from across the globe. Get home buddy. safe. Uh, sleep well. I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a day now, and you get to yeah. go to bed. It's so <laughs> bizarre. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week.